Well, yesterday we read through several verses here in Philippians 4. We'll just begin again. In verse 10, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, you already know the rest of it, but what's he rejoicing about? They sent him a big offering. I said, they sent him a big offering. That's right. Is it okay to rejoice if somebody sends you a big offering? Yeah. Do you have to be a preacher to get a, a gift? No. 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 See, sometimes people get to thinking, well, that's just preachers, you know. No, no, this is not just for preachers. It's for everybody. He said, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. You know, we need to take the opportunities that arise because sometimes situations are seasonal. Sometimes people could use your help right now. Later on, they won't need it. Not in that way. People need you when they need you. Not when it's convenient for you. You ever notice that? A lot of times when people need you, it's when it's not convenient. It's 2.30 in the morning and you were sound asleep. And their cars broke down 75 miles away. And you got to get up early in the morning and go to work. It's not convenient. But when do they need you? They need you when they need you. And oftentimes it's not when it's convenient. You ever notice a lot of times the Lord will prompt you to give and it's not convenient? Is that just me or have you ever experienced that? I mean, there's been a number of times. I don't mean once. I don't mean twice. I don't mean a dozen or two dozen times. I mean scores and scores and scores of times the Lord's prompted me to give and it just wasn't a good time. <laughs> I said it wasn't a good time. <laughs> we were in a meeting a while back and uh, the, uh, the Lord prompted me, a certain elder minister was there, he prompted me pay for his hotel room for the week and all of his eats and stuff that he put on the bill. But it wasn't a good time. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're believing God all we know how for hours. For us to just make it through, you know. And here he says, pick up his tab. And at and the uh, ministry, the same week, we've had uh, two or three big bills hit. Thousands for this, thousands for that. And it's just not there right now. How many know preachers have to live by faith? Well, if you don't know that, if you ever become one, you'll find out. And the Lord dealt with us do that. So what do you do? Well, thank God I've learned. The only thing that matters is did he say it? Are you hearing from him? I check it and I recheck it. Make sure it's him. And you know, the longer you're led in these kind of things, the more sure you get. After a while, you just know that you know that you know. Well, I checked it two or three times. You know, a lot of times you don't have to act on something that second. You know, you don't want to wait too long and miss God. But I've found that most things, if it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. And uh, he didn't need it right then anyway, you know. The week wasn't up, and so I just kept looking at it, looking at it. Well, I got settled on it. So we did it. And the Lord blessed. 
And money come in from here and money come in from there. And we'll be fine and we'll always be fine. When you obey God, you're making investments. But my point is, a lot of times when God deals with you to do something, it's what? It's inconvenient. It's not convenient. Do you know he purposely does that? (laughs) I said, do you know he purposely does that? (laughs) He does that on purpose. Why? Because it gives you a chance to demonstrate your faith and your love. Doesn't it? That you're not putting yourself first. And that you, you're not going to hold, hoard this and hold on to it. Because you believe there's a lot more where that came from. And you believe he can get it to you. Amen. You know we've done this before. But you know if, if it's offering time. And uh, you know. You're looking to see what you're going to give. And, and, and there's, the, there's the big bill. <laughs> and there's some middle sized bills. And there's some little bills. And the Lord prompts you to give the big bill. Now somebody said, well, he never prompts you to give the little bill. Not so. Not so. You just have to be led. But sometimes he'll prompt you to give the big bill. Well, let's say this time he prompted you to give the big bill. And you're thinking, now here's where people make a mistake. They think, now let's see, what have I got coming up? That's a mistake. That's a mistake. That's not the issue. I said that is not the What is the issue? Is he dealing with me? Not are they telling a sad story. Not are they going to go under if I don't give. No, 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 no. What's the issue? What is he dealing What is he dealing with me? What is he, is he dealing with me to do? If he is, then the other is irrelative. It's not the point. But a lot of times, even if God's dealing with people to do that, they'll go, let's see, I got, boy, my house payment's just a week and a half away. Oh, yeah, and the insurance, insurance. And a lot of times they'll reach and, and give the little bill. Well, why didn't they give the big one? If the Lord dealt with them, why didn't they give the big one? I'll tell you why. It's because they just weren't convinced that God could get it back to them in time. Come on. Lack of faith. See, that's the deal about tithing. I don't know how many times I've had people tell me, well, I, 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 I want to tithe. I, I, just, I just can't. No, you just don't have faith. It's got nothing to do with dollar amounts. It's do you believe God can take care of you? And here's another little clue. Another little hint. You're going to have to believe God anyway. (laughs) You're going to have to believe God anyway. There's a lot of times people have got, I mean, what they've got is not half enough to take care of what's going on. And the Lord deals with them to give a you know, quarter of it or half of what they got away. And they hold on to it because they got, you're going to have to believe God anyway. Aren't you? And it's a whole lot easier to believe God when you got seed in the ground and you know you've obeyed him. 
that gives you a ground to stand on confidence to expect a harvest to come in. You're going to have to believe God any way you go. And it's a whole lot easier if you've obeyed him. How do we get off on all that? What's the last verse we read? Hmm? Opportunity. You remember that? Opportunity. You know, there's some people that uh, in years past, you know, I was, I was needing something right then, and uh, they, were, they helped me. Nowadays, the, the things that we have are, are a lot bigger. They couldn't just take care of it. But I'll always remember them because they helped me at that spot. You know, it's good to get in on the ground floor of some things. You know, years ago, there were some people when nobody knew me or cared. There were some people who treated me like I was important. You know what I'm saying? And they, they saw something in me I didn't see in me. Well, and, and sowed into us. And helped us, even though our needs were small at that time, helped us. But as far as I'm concerned, they, they'll have a part in years to come. And I'll always remember that. But see, a lot of times people, you, you, now you'll find this, y'all are getting to the place where, you know, especially God blesses you and you have new facilities and, and what have you. A lot of folk like to get on something that's already there. That's right. And that's all right. <laughs> we'll let them in and write and bless them. But, uh, the, you know, the folk that get the, the, the greater blessing are the ones that get in when it's not that big. You understand what I'm saying? And they just hang in there and toil even if the outward reward is not real big and if the setting is not as plush. And, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Let me give you a little warning though. Don't miss out when the great harvest comes. Sometimes people will get in on the ground floor of a thing and they'll work and work and work. And then when God gets ready to begin to pour out some big blessings on it for different reasons, they unhook and leave. And they're not there when a lot of the reward will come for things that they've been investing over the years. The enemy works in these areas. I said he works in these areas. So you be on your guard. That you don't let anything hinder you. And if God hooked you, then you stay hooked. Yeah. <laughs> right? Amen. Just stay hooked. I know, you know, I've. Anytime you, you got things where you're dealing with people and personalities, you have opportunities for friction, <laughs> offenses, you name it. I've worked with some of the best ministries in the world. I believe that. And uh, people are people. How many know everybody's human? <laughs> Aren't they? And you got people that walk closer to the Lord than others, but still people are human. And, um, you know, you just have to walk in faith and walk in love <laughs> in any situation. And you don't know it all, and we haven't arrived. And um, I've had situations where I could have thought wrong and jumped out but I always just come back to this 
I'm in the army of the Lord. Jesus is the captain of my salvation. I am not a civilian. I can't just go where I want to go and do what I want to do. I can't transfer myself. I can't. Now see a lot of people talk about Jesus as my Lord, but really He's just their Savior. If Jesus is your Lord, you can't do just what you want to do when you want to do it. You can't just change churches when you want to. You can't just change jobs when you want to. You can't just bail out of one marriage and into another. And you can't. We have such a huge problem today in our society with selfishness. That's the root of all kinds of problems. The Lord never said everything would be comfortable. Come on. It's amazing how people will pray, Oh God, use me. Oh God, please use me. Oh God, use me. I just want you to use me. And then, you know, some things happen. They begin to get used. And then they come back later and say, Lord, I just feel like I'm being used. (laughs) Well, why don't you make up your mind? Do you want to be used or not? If you're in the military and you get stationed in Antarctica, well, that's where you go. You can't stay there a day or two or a week and think, man, I don't like it up here. Don't we have a base in Honolulu? I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Honolulu. I'm just, I don't care what they say. I'm going. Well, you can go. I said, you can go. (laughs) And be AWOL. Out of the will of the army. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of AWOL Christians. Out of the will of the Lord. Absent without leave. They didn't get a release. They didn't get direction. They just left. They just tra- they transferred themselves. They signed their own orders. And that's dangerous territory to be in. The enemy can cause you major problems like that. So, uh, you know, I have. Man, you know, I, I, you know, I've worked with the Hagen ministry for a number of years. And there's been times when uh, I was... Uh, here I am speaking a couple of times a day, and all at once that's changed, and I'm back behind the scenes filing cards. Not getting to speak, not getting to do anything. Somebody said, what'd you do? I filed cards. <laughs> yes, sir. Filed them well. <laughs> You know, and we've, uh, you know, just the Lord's blessed us and we've had wonderful opportunities to minister and do things. And, and sometimes I get in the middle of doing something, the Lord will pull on me and say, no, I want you to be a help to this one over here. So you cancel that and cancel this and go back over here and help. 
You know, in, one, in the very realest sense, we are all in the ministry of helps. Everybody. Helping the Lord. Right? Do what He wants done. And it shouldn't matter to us how prominent our position is or how important men think our position is if we're doing what He told us to do. If He's happy with us, that's what counts. And the reward is not based on men's perception of what you're doing. The reward is based on you actually obeying what He told you to do. If things are tough and things are hard and rough on your soul, sometimes you can go in there and fall across the bed and go, God, I'm putting in for a transfer. I want a transfer. A lot of times it'll come back, no. So then what do you do? Same thing with jobs. See, sometimes people think, man, there's no way I could have this much trouble on this job and it be God. Oh, really? No. See, a lot of times people don't realize how much flesh is there. And these situations are affording opportunities for you to deal with your flesh. For you to die to selfishness. And die to ego. And die to pride. And I mean, dying is not fun. Remember, crucifying the flesh. It's not easy. It's hard. And I know from whence I speak, I've been in some of these situations. It's tough, man. It hurts. You can cry and pray half the night and the Lord won't say anything to you about it. Just, what do you do? Stay with it. But that's the people that wind up in the greater promotion. The folks that bail out and quit will miss good blessings that God had planned for them. And I don't know how come me to say all that, but I did nonetheless. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. He said you lacked opportunity. Take every opportunity to be a blessing. He said not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned. Now this is not just something that you get a revelation and you got you have to learn this in life experiences. He's learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I said to you yesterday there's a poverty test and there's a prosperity test. What do I mean? Well, how's your faith when you experience lack? And how's your faith when you experience great abundance? There's dangers in both of those areas. The enemy will try to work on you. But keep your faith. No matter the situation. You know, your happiness doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't. A lot of times people think, well, I, if I, when I can just get this house, then I'm going to be happy. If I could just get this job and this promotion, then I'll be happy. Hey, you're in for disappointment. That is not true. Well, if I could just get this and do this. There's a lot of single people. When I just find that right person, then everything will be all right. No, because you'll still be there. (laughs) Whatever problems you had, if you don't change them, you'll just bring them into the relationship. And a lot of people's problems have to do with selfishness. And I'm telling you what, 
when you get into a mad situation from a single situation, you got to be less selfish than you've ever been for it to work. And so, uh, you know, if you if you're single and you're believing God for the for that right person to come along, you need to be preparing. Not just confessing and praying. You need to be preparing. Faith prepares. Faith gets ready. If you really believe God's got Mr. Right headed your way or Miss Right headed your way, then you need to be getting ready. I mean, what if you walk out the door today and and meet them? Are you ready? Hmm? Or are you going to run around the corner and say, Man, I need to lose a few pounds. I need to... (laughs) Now listen to me. This is the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God that a lot of you hadn't met Mr. Wright. Or Miss Wright. Because they'd have looked a couple of times and kept walking. God's given you time to get presentable. <laughs> now, now, attractiveness involves two main areas. I said attractiveness involves two main areas. Number one, how you look. Somebody says, surely not number one. But yes. People try to minimize this and they try to play it down. But a lot of times that's the only reason why somebody took the time to get to know you is because they liked what they saw. Number one, how you look. Number two, just as important, how you act. These are the things that make you attractive. I know it sounds oversimplified, but it's, it's good. And it's summary. How you look and how you act. A lot of times if you don't look good enough, people won't stay around you long enough to see what you act like. But if you look real good and they get around you a little while and see how ugly you act, (laughs) then that's curtains on that too. That's good. Come on. What makes you attractive? I just told you. Now, what makes you attractive? Huh? How you look and how you act. Now, now understand this, too. So a lot of times people say, well, yeah, but you know, I, maybe, I, maybe I don't look that hot on the outside, or maybe sometimes I don't act that, that well, but that's just my flesh. Inside, I'm a beautiful person. <laughs> Listen, friend, the outside is a reflection of the inside. The proverb says, face answers to face in water or a mirror. If you look in a mirror or you look in a still pool, what are you going to see looking back at you? What's there? And he says, so the heart of man to man. You can tell a lot more about what's inside people than what you think by what's on the outside. The way people act, their attitudes, the way they take care of themselves or don't take care of themselves goes on and on and on. But it's reflection of what's inside. A lot of times people like to think, well, you know, I'm, 
I'm kind of a mess on the outside, but I really got it together on the inside. No, no, not so. Not so. You know, I've noticed this with churches. We've gone to a lot of churches and had a lot of meetings. And uh, you just you just watch it. I've seen a pattern here. People that have uh, thorough preparation outwardly have also prepared spiritually as a usual thing. You watch it. We've gotten to places before, and, and, and the pastors leave us sitting at the airport for an hour and a half. They're not where to be found for no good reason. You know, and some of these airports, you know, like some parts of LaGuardia or whatever, you know, so I mean, some of them, you don't want to just be sitting around there all the time. And um, here you are sitting and sitting, and, and finally they come and get you. And you can tell it's like, oh, we're having a meeting? Yeah, yeah that's right. We're having a meeting. And you get to the hotel. No arrangements have been made. you got to put stuff on your own cards and everything. See if you can get a room. You can just mark it down. They haven't prayed either. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. See, the outward is a reflection of the inner. The natural is a reflection of the spiritual. It just is. But you watch the people that, I mean, the outward stuff has been done and the, and the bases have been covered. You can just mark it down. They've been praying too. And they've been believing too. And they've been preparing too. The outward is a reflection of the inner. Whether it's personally, business, family, ministry. So, get ready. If you're believing for that special somebody, get ready. Everybody wants Mr. Perfect or Miss Wonderful. Right? Any single people in here this morning? Lift up your hand. I want to see. Okay, no wonder. <laughs> A lot of single people. It's right for most people to be married. That's right. Not everybody. You don't have to be married, but it's right for most people to be married. If you're happy and content and satisfied being single, well, great, fine. But if you want to be married, it's right for most people to be married. And most guys, you know, they're believing for Miss Amazing, Miss Wonderful. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's, she's got to be a looker. Oh, yeah, beautiful face, beautiful figure, sharp uh, lady, you know, manners, spiritual, strong, faith, prayer. Right? And most ladies are believing for Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Amazing, good looking, good physique, nice dresser, clean, polite, well-mannered, gentleman, spiritual man, prayer, full of faith. <laughs> well, that's all fine and good, but have you ever stopped to think, what are they getting in you? It's not fair. For Mr. Wonderful to wind up with Miss... That's right. Okay. <laughs> or vice versa. So if love is motivating you, and you're really preparing, then you want to bring the best you can into the relationship. Right? You're thinking not just about what you're getting, but you're thinking about what you're bringing, what you're giving, what you're offering to the relationship. And so if you really believe in God, you're really in faith for that Mr. Wonderful or Miss Wonderful, then you're getting ready. 
you're filing off your uh, idiosyncrasies and and all your little personality quirks and your little selfish stuff. You're growing up spiritually and growing up mentally and emotionally and not wearing your feelings on your cuff and getting hurt and been out of shape all the time. You pay your debts off so you don't bring a bunch of that stuff into the relationship. Get your body in good shape. Amen. All of these things. Get your prayer life so that you're not so clingy and dependent on them. You got your heart in God. You, you got a fellowship with Him. You anchored in Him. And I'm telling you, two people come into a relationship like that, they won't go through all the hellish stuff that a lot of people do trying to grow up spiritually. They start off on a higher plane. I said, it's the mercy of God that a lot of you hadn't met your mate yet. (laughs) What this has to do with Proverbs 4, I don't know. I'm trying to get here. Verse 14, he said, Notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. He calls lack affliction. He said, You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again to my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, he's talking about money and things smelling good, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Yesterday we talked about who our source is. We need a revelation, and you can get an increasing revelation of who your source is. God supplies all of our needs according to what? His riches in glory. And He's able to do it by Christ. He has the right to do it by the redemptive work of Christ. But He does it according to His riches. According, we could say, according to His resources. According to His abilities. I mean, if you're going to do something, you have to do it according to your resources. Not mine. You can't take my stuff. It's not yours. You have to use your things. Right? You can do for people according to your resources. But God does for us and meets our needs according to His resources. Are His resources great? Vast. Infinite. We need to meditate upon His resources and His abilities. God is so great. He has access to everything. And He can get it to us. He doesn't meet our needs according to our job. He doesn't meet our needs according to the government or the economy or according to our family. We must get our eyes off of all these things. Said out loud, my job job is not my source. source. The economy is not my source. My provision is not limited to natural things. God's your source. El Shaddai. <laughs> He's our source. We look to Him for everything. Uh, the Lord reminded me, I didn't finish telling you that story yesterday about the one, the single mother, that the little girl wanted the uh, bicycle. Anybody remember that? 
Huh? Yeah. Um, you know, we got. To, I, I was talking about parents not telling children. Don't always say we can't afford this. We can't afford this. You know, teach them how to believe God. Amen. So you're limiting them to your check. You're, well, we can't afford this. I, honey, I wish I had a better job. I wish I had more pay. I'd do it for you. But we can't do beyond what my job allows. Is that true? No. That we can't do and we can't have beyond what our jobs allow? Are we limited to our jobs? No. That's a little weak. No. Think about it now. Get a revelation of this. Are we limited to our jobs? No. We shouldn't be. We don't have to be. But if you think that way, you will be. That's right. And I told him, you know, teach children to believe God. So her little daughter came up. She's a single mom with a couple of kids. And she said her little daughter said, well, Mommy, I want this certain bicycle. I want this certain bike. And she started to say, well, honey, I'm sorry, but, but uh, we just can't afford. And then she caught herself. She remembered what we were talking about. And she said, well, you know, who is our source, you know? Is my job our source? Are we limited to my little income here? Or does God meet our needs according, not according to mommy's job, according to his riches in glory? Well, she said, well, honey, I'll tell you what we'll do. Sow one of your toys to some of these other kids or whatever. Sow some, sow some seed and I'll pray with you. We'll agree for a bike. You know why a lot of parents won't do that? They're afraid little Johnny or Susie will be disappointed. Which means they don't even believe what they say. That's why they won't do that. Well, I, you know, what if it doesn't work? And they don't, well, see, you don't believe, you don't believe these things. But no, you, how many we can count on God? He'll come through for us. He'll come through for our kids. He'll come through. We're doing what he said. And so uh, they agreed, claimed it, and agreed. She sold a toy to another little girl or something. And within just a couple of weeks, a check came in the mail from an unexpected source. Like we said, God is a master at that kind of thing, that unexpected source. Made out to the little girl. To the little girl. And it's not because they dropped a bunch of hints to somebody. How many know the Lord can deal with somebody without you telling, telling everybody that you know? You don't have to he drop hints everywhere. And uh, that same week they're having a bike sale right a couple of blocks away. Well, they got that check, went right down a couple of blocks, bought that bike. One happy little girl. And, she, and here's the greatest part. She knows the Easter Bunny didn't give it to her. Santa Claus didn't give it to her. Mama didn't give it to her. The Lord gave it to her. She won't forget that. She's learned sowing and reaping and believing God. Mommy learned a big lesson too. <laughs> Don't limit your family to your little job. Right? So we talked about that. We talked about who our source is, and that's a big one. You know, you could, don't think you got all the revelation on that you can handle. You need a lot more. Meditate on that. It'll help you to just confess it and say it out loud a lot. My job's not my source. My jobs are not my source. My investments are not my source. And the ministers have to remember, my, my congregation is not my source. Uh, I, as a traveling minister, my partners are the churches I go to. They're not my source. They're not my source. And man, that'll just free you up. I said that'll just free you up. It'll free you up. 
I mean, I know it doesn't make any difference. If I go to a place and work hard and they don't give me anything, that doesn't make any difference at all. Did I do what the Lord told me to do? That's all. Did I do it? Because I know He's going to get it to me. He can deal with one lady in Nebraska, write me one check and solve my problems. Right? Easy. Easy. And takes, it takes the pressure off of you, putting pressure off people. If you're operating in faith, you put no pressure on people. They're not your source. Now, God uses people. Don't misunderstand me. But no particular person. If they, if, even if he deals with these people and they don't respond, he'll deal with somebody else. If they don't respond, he'll deal with somebody else. He'll get it to you. If a little dog has to bring it in a paper sack, <laughs> sit it on your doorstep. And that is not as far-fetched as you might think. I mean, ravens brought food to the man of God. Right? Does he have resources? Does he have contacts? Can he do it? He can do it. You should be living better than your job income would allow. And I don't mean through debt. Amen, you should be. You should be living. People should look at your, your, your salary and look at the way you live and think, hmm, how's that work? <laughs> I've actually, it's come back to me two or three times that people have said about me when I wasn't there. People, no, I'm not talking about necessarily fellow Christians or, or uh, ministers, but that, that came back to me just recently again. I heard this two or three times that they said, uh, they were talking about me in this certain place a business that I had frequented or whatever. And they said, what does that guy do? Well, I know he drives this car and he does this and he does that. One of them said, I bet he sells drugs. I bet he sells drugs. And the guy that owned the place, he said, who are you talking about? And he said, well, I don't know, but this guy. He said, I know that guy. He's a preacher. He don't sell drugs. But see, people can't figure, they figure you, you know, they've got to see how it can come. And the sad thing, so many Christians are that way, they've got to see how it can come. If they can't see how it can come, then they're not expecting it. You don't have to see how it can come. You don't have to know. Just claim it. <laughs> claim it. Believe for it. How, well, how could it happen? That's not your business. That's not your problem. God, God's the one who takes care of that. I want you to know there's plenty of money around. Plenty. Plenty. I mean, there's money around. Major money. And God knows how to get it to you. But you've got to get your eyes off the limitations of job and economy and this and that. No, 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 no. That's not your source. That's not your source. We even read over there where it talked about the one that stole over in Ephesians 4. Let him steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give. Not just working for a living, working to be given. Now I want you to back up a little bit in this 17th verse. We'll read verse 16 again. For he said, even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Everybody say, your account. your account. 
Paul said, I, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord when you sent to me again. And he says, not just because I want something, but I want to see your account increase. I want fruit abounding to your account. You know, uh, as a minister, I've almost had to restrain myself uh, with a couple of individuals that kept telling me that they were going to, uh, this one individual I think about, he kept telling me, Brother Keith, I want you to send me some envelopes. I want to get hooked up with your ministry and what have you. And uh, so we did. They never responded. A few, several months later, I saw him again. He said, I, I want you to send me some envelopes. I want to get hooked up with your ministry. So we sent him some more envelopes. He never used the other ones yet, but we sent him some more. And uh, that kept going on for year after year. And I know they're struggling. I know they're struggling financially, and I know from what he said out of his own mouth, God dealt with him, among other things, to hook up with us. And I'm almost, almost tempted to say, man, send me a check. I don't care if it's $2, send me something. Why? Because he needs to. God's already dealt with him. He needs to get some things happening in his account. Can you see that? No, 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 not everybody's supposed to hook up with everybody. But you're supposed to take care of your local church. Amen. And then you're supposed to do for ministries and missionaries whatever God leads you. And you're supposed to give to the poor. And just your brother or sister, you know, you just need to be led. But when the Lord deals with you something a time or two and three and four and you don't do it, well, see, you're delaying your prosperity. You're hindered. And that's what he said. He said, man, I'm, I'm rejoicing. Not just because I want something, but I want to see some things happen in your account. <laughs> well, this account must be important. Go back with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew. I'm glad to say since then, I think they have uh, they've begun to, to, to do some things. You know, the great lie of the enemy is that so many people have good intentions. And you go into Matthew 6. So many people have good intentions. They, you know, they're, when their ship comes in, they're going to do something. But actually their pride is holding them back. They're not going to do anything until they can give something bigger. At least, you know, $50 a month. At least $100 a month. And that's not where they're at. But then they're, they're not going to do anything until they get to that place. Yeah, but how do you get to that place? See, a lot of times you have to humble yourself. And just admit where you are. If you're at a dollar a month place, well, that's where you are. But it's accepted not according to what you don't have, but according to what you have. And the big issue is your stewardship with what you have now. It's not what you're going to do later when you get... No, now. Now. Man, I know a man of God, a friend of mine, that he and his family just suffered and, and hurt. And year after year after year, he got a hold of this. And the Lord dealt with him to begin to send some support to a certain ministry. And so he began to send a dollar here and there. A dollar here and there. That's where he's at. Then he got to the place where he's going to send them a dollar a day. Every day. See, there's something to be said about consistency. You need harvest coming in consistently. Don't you? So you need to be doing something consistently. And it doesn't have to be big. But he began, to, he began to give that dollar, send that dollar, get his envelope and his stamp, send that dollar every day. He said a lot of times he'd have to go out on the side of the road and pick up cans or, or, or bottles or something to get the dollar and the postage. But he was consistent. And I'm telling you, God honored it. 
After a while, he was able to bump it up to a couple of dollars, and then five dollars, and then ten dollars. How many ten dollars begins to add up, you see, every day, and then twenty dollars. And I'm telling the Lord's my witness, the man now has got a palatial home. He's got lake house paid for, nice, better lake house than a lot of people have it, you know, the regular house. Boats paid for, cars paid for, stuff. And he used to, he and his family used to have to split a happy meal <laughs> on the road. That's where they were at. How did he start? Giving that dollar. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, I want you to read this with me. Now, can you hang with me for just a little bit here? I didn't intend to say all those things in the front, but, but we did. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to go before we get some of these things out to you today, too. So hold with me just a little, little bit here. Verse 19, Jesus said this. Verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Now, he's, he's not saying you can't have a savings account. He's not saying you can't have an investment. But you do have to watch about those things. He said, don't just lay up treasures on the earth. Where, you know, people want to know, where is a good safe investment? On earth, there are none. Where's a good safe investment? See, see, a lot of times people like to project, well, hey, man, there's no way you're going to lose money on this. Yeah, right. Like, Like they know the future. I mean, if history has shown us anything, it's that some of the most stable, seemingly solid corporations and companies can go belly up just like that. Where's the safest place? On earth, there is no absolutely safe investment. Now, if the Lord leads you to do something, go ahead and do it, but you better be led. Sometimes He'll lead you to go get that out. Right? And if you're smart, you'll do it and, you know, you won't lose. But, but just know this, there, there are no totally safe earthly investments because on earth, what can happen to it? Moth and rust can corrupt it and thieves. Boy, that's what you've got to watch out for. Are there any big corporate thieves? Oh, buddy. Thieves break through and steal. But, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven is there a safe place where we can put it hmm yes <laughs> I said yes where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also What if your treasure's in heaven? Then that's where your heart's at. Right? Well, what if all your treasure is over here? In this bank? Or in this investment? Or in this? You can have some of that. I didn't say you couldn't have any of that. But you've got to watch it. Because you'll all be, always be thinking about it. 
Always be looking. And see, where you treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. Well, where should your heart be? See, the Lord said, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Is there a safe place to put it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can lay it up in your account in heaven. Does God know who gave what? Does He keep up with it? He does. You have an account in heaven's bank. And it's not FDIC. It's GI. God insured. There is no safer place for your money. And there is no better investment. There is no better return. You cannot get a better return than a kingdom investment. The only catch is it takes faith. Because you can't see it. You're not going to get a letter from heaven. Showing your amount figure and the interest in accrue. <laughs> and from the natural, people will think, well, it's just gone. But if you have faith and you know the truth, it's there. Amen. It's there. Amen. It's there. Yes, it and it's not depreciating. No. Right. And it's not in danger of being lost. And it is increasing. Multiplying by kingdom standards, which are unaffected by international economies. The only catch is it takes faith. You got to believe it's there. Takes faith to put it in. And here's the here's the point: it takes faith to draw it out. Hallelujah. I said, takes faith to draw it out. Y'all are with me now, right? Lay up treasures. Now, now look at verse 20. Look at it again. But lay up treasures for who? A lot of you didn't get that. Verse 20 now. Let's look at verse 19 again. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. But verse 20. But lay up for who? So who's this for? Now you got to like this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who are you laying it up for? <laughs> Some folks don't even know if they want to say that or not. They think, I don't, I don't know. That's right. Jesus is talking. This is the Bible. Right? He said, you lay this up for who? For yourself. <laughs> this is for you. You lay it up and it's for you. It's your account. It's your stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And where did you lay it up? Is heaven a real place? There's people who have been there and come back to earth. It's, it's just as real. It's just as real a place as Chicago or L.A. or New York. Just lots nicer. It's just as It's a real place. There are people there. A lot of you have relatives there. You didn't lose them. They just moved. They relocated. And you're going to see them. 
Even if you live a long, long life, it's nothing. It's like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. Next thing you know, you'll be visiting with them. There are places and, and, and estates there. I know I was so blessed one time I heard about a man give his testimony that he, he died through an accident and was dead for a period of time. He said he got caught up and went to heaven. Now, there's a lot of heaven stories around, and I don't get very excited about some of them. You know what I mean? Don't, don't just run off with every heaven story that you hear, okay? But this kind of thing can happen. And, uh, you know, Paul talked about one caught up to the third heaven. And saw and heard things. And returned. Most people agree he's talking about his own experience. There's a lot of things in there that would indicate that. Brother Hagin said he's been caught up before. Uh, my grandmother said she went. Saw uh, her mother-in-law that had died not too long back. Talked to her and came back. It's a real place. I said it's a real place. Very, very real. And he said, this man said that while he, you know, he left his body. And, and he went to heaven. And he saw the Lord, and he, he said he saw the flowers and the trees and the animals, and he said there were some things that was a lot like on earth, and some things he'd never seen on earth. Well, see, the things that are here are patterned after things that are there and have always been there. Of course, minus the decay and the junk. But he said the Lord showed him different things. Flowers and trees and animals. Like he said, some animals he'd seen on earth, some animals he'd never seen before. And he said he took him over to this place and showed him uh, this, this valley. And there was a house and there was all kind of things. And the Lord said, this is your abode. Now I looked up that word later over in John 14 where he says, In my father's house are many mansions. So a lot of times we, we've got this picture of a white building with columns in the front and several of them side by side down the street. Yeah, but that's just your head. <laughs> Who said it was that way? Aren't you glad he didn't say in my father's house are many efficiencies? <laughs> in my father's house are many condos. No, no. That word is the Greek word abode. And if you study it, it's a, a, an English word that comes from that word is the word manor. M-A-N-O-R. Manor. It's a landed estate. <laughs> See, we've, we've had thinking, but that doesn't mean that's the way it is. The word manor comes from that word abode or abiding place. Landed estate. He, and he said that he was so thrilled. He said, man, he had real estate. He's got a whole valley. <laughs> and he said every everything he looked at is just what he liked. It's just what he liked. That's, what, that's the way he would have done it. You know? And he said the Lord looked at him and said, I know what each of my children like. And I custom build each of their abodes for them. <laughs> oh, glory to God. <laughs> glory. Now that sounds like Jesus. That sounds just like Him. Just like Him. I'm, I said all that to say, heaven's a real place. Well, they have, a, they have a, a type of a banking system there. That affects the life here and now. There are accounts that we have. 
Paul said that fruit may abound to your account. Do you have an account? Now, like we already said, God doesn't use computers. They're too archaic and crude for him. He wouldn't use them. I don't know exactly how the system works, but there is a sort of a file with your name on it. And I know God keeps good books, good records. He knows exactly what's in your account. Plus the multiplied increase. <laughs> Some of you getting a hold of this. Mark 10. Go to Mark 10. Glory, glory. A custom bill. <laughs> custom bill. Oh, my. We can be blessed down here, but you know, it's, uh, it's going to be amazing when we get there. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Man, everybody ought to go to heaven. Whew, boy, you don't want to miss all of that. Mark 10, verse 17. When Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may, now get this phrase now, that I may what? Inherit eternal life. Now, what's he wanting? Eternal life. Now, keep that in mind. And Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Now, um, if you look at the other accounts, this is also in the other gospel accounts, Luke. You'll find it. And uh, he's, the, the rich young ruler said, What good thing can I do? Now see, of course, their law works oriented. What good thing can I do to get in the kingdom to inherit this eternal life? So he's asking him about the good. Verse 19, Jesus told him, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor your father and mother. He answered and said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Well, he hadn't been a bad man then. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. There was something good in him. Jesus you looked at him and love came up in him. He loved him and he said, One thing you lack. Well, that's not a lot. One thing. But it depends on what thing that is, you know. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. And give to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me now let's stop right here did he say give away everything you got and of course you'll lose it but you'll have me is he talking about throwing it away did he ask him to take a vow of poverty no. And yet people have read that into these things. Did he say, now, you know, give away everything you got and I don't want you to ever have anything else the rest of your life. That's not there. That's not there. He didn't say, give away everything you got. You, you know, you can't serve me and have any money. And just, you know, it'll be gone, but you'll have me. No. 
He, see, and that's what this young man didn't understand. He, the Bible said he, he was sad at that saying. He went away grieved for he had great possessions. He didn't know what the Lord was telling him. He wasn't telling him, you can't have anything if you serve me. He's telling him, I want you to transfer your wealth to my system. <laughs> we want to wire it to heaven. Number of reasons why. Number one, your faith is in your stuff. And we got to get your faith out of your stuff and into me. Number two, your possessions will be safe in your account in heaven. And therefore access for you to do all the things that you'll need to do to follow me. You ever read what the Lord told us to do to follow him? It takes money. I said it takes money. Have you ever read? I mean, go through the gospel accounts. Read carefully what he told them, the disciples, and us to do. He said, have block parties and pick up the bill. I said, what are you talking about? He said, when you have a feast, how are you going to have a feast? You don't have money. He said, call. The lame, the blind, the poor, call them all and put on a big feast for them. How are you going to do that? You entertained lately? Have you entertained lately? I mean, you take 50 people to McDonald's. You better have some money. Is that right? He said, he said you know, the example... Of go thou and do likewise applies to the good Samaritan. Found a man on the side of the road and, and picked him up, took him to what would have been the hospital and care facility of that day, paid money for his bill, left extra money and said, if you need something else, I'll take care of that. You've got to have money. Just pick people up off the side of the road, take them to the hospital, pay all their bills. Did the Lord tell us to do this kind of thing? He taught, he taught tithing. He taught giving to the poor. Honoring your father and mother? How are we supposed to do that and broke and penniless? Take the gospel to every creature? Fulfill the great commission? Go all over the world? Preach? Have crusades? Build churches? How are you going to do that with no money? This man talked to him about eternal life. And Jesus talked to him about money. Verse 23, here's a revelation you need to get. I just got this recently. Verse 23, after the man was sad and he went away grieved because he had great possessions, Jesus looked around about him and he said to his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And then they went on. The disciples were astonished at his words. Jesus answered again. He said, Children, how hard is it for them that trust? See, that's the problem right there. The faith's in their money. That trust in riches to do what? Enter. Enter. How many are born again? Amen. We're already in the kingdom. Amen. We're not trying to get in. We're in. Amen. Jesus didn't say that having money in the kingdom will hinder you. No, he said money can hinder people from getting in. Oh, do you see that? This man's trying to get in the kingdom, but his money's in his way because he's used to trusting his money. 
You can't get in the kingdom trusting your money as your Savior and deliverer. You've got to put your faith in Jesus. We're in the kingdom. Not trying to get in. We're in. We're in. Now you can go to 1 Timothy. I'm trying to wind this up, guys. You don't want me to keep back anything good from you, though, do you? 1 Timothy 6. Are you here? Verse 3, 1 Timothy 6, 3. 1 Timothy 6, 3. He talked about if any man teach otherwise than what he's been telling them and teaching them and doesn't consent, this is 1 Timothy 6, 3, doesn't consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing. But doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now, now you've got to stop right here. Who is he talking about? He's talking about people who are not... Uh, submitting to good doctrine they are proud they are arguers corrupt minds are you getting this now these are the kind of people he's talking about and he said they think or they suppose that gain is godliness does gain make you godly no does money make you godly stuff doesn't make you godly but it doesn't have to keep you from being godly either he goes on to say, from such withdraw yourself. Now, now this applies, Christians can be covetous. And if you sense that, that people that you're around, that they're just always thinking about money, just always thinking about money, and money, 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 money on the brain, withdraw yourself. Don't hang around that all the time. He went on to say, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Like one individual said, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He's talking about not being covetous. They that will be rich fall into the temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in, in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. See, your principal goal in life should not be to be rich. Your principal goal is to do the will of God. It's going to take money to do the will of God. But your principal objective is not just being rich and seeing how much stuff you can accumulate. If that's your principal goal, then you're going to be pierced through with many sorrows. You're going to get off track. You understand? And that love for that money and that craving for that stuff is going to, you know, be a root of all kinds of evil and problems in your life. But that doesn't mean God wants us broke. Have you got that now? See, people have taken some of these things and misunderstood them and twisted them. And No, it doesn't mean He wants We just got through telling you, how can we do all that He's told us to do and be broke? You can't. 
But he said, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you are also called and you professed a good profession before many witnesses. Everybody say, lay hold. Lay hold. Lay hold. Now what did that rich young ruler come and ask him about? Eternal life. And he told him, sell what you have, give to the poor, you'll lay up treasure in heaven. Now go back there. Go back to Mark 10. I, I left there too quick. I need to get one thing in here. Hold your place in First Timothy. Mark 10. There's, there's a few questions here that you need to have answered very solidly in you before we leave today. Mark 10. When Jesus said in verse 24, you know, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to do what? Enter. To get in. Are we trying to get in? No. We're in. Right? Verse uh, 27, after they had said, well, who can be saved? Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. How many know it is possible for people that are rich, that have had all kind of money and they're all their faith in their money, they can get their faith out of their money and get their faith in Jesus? It is possible for rich people to get in. It can be hard for them. If they're used to, you know, the dollar getting them out of everything. And they're used to every time something comes up, they, they reach for the checkbook. And having to put your faith in God instead of what you can do, it can be tough. And that's what Jesus said. But it's possible. Then Peter began to say to him, Lo, we have left all and have followed you. What about us? We left everything. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, there is no man that has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. I want everybody to say that phrase now. Now in this time. When? Now in this time. Time. Say it again. Now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters. Everybody say houses. houses. Not house. Houses. Houses. Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands. Everybody say lands. Lands. Here's the part you might want to leave out, but it's still here. With persecutions. <laughs> Are you kidding me? God pour out all these blessings on you. Everybody's not going to like it, but that's all right. And in the world to come, and in the world to come, eternal life. See, that's what the young man came and asked him about, was the eternal life. And he told him to take what he had, sell it. He'd have treasure in heaven. And then when they asked him, well, Lord, we, we've left some stuff. He said, yeah, and I'm telling you, you're going to receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the world to come eternal life. Here's the question. Do we have an account in heaven? Yes. Yes, if you're a giver. Do we have an account in heaven? Yes. Whose account is it? Who's it for? <laughs> it's for yourself. Right? Now, when does it do us any good? This is the big question. Now in this time. And 
and you can't beat that with a stick, man. And <laughs> in the world to come, when does it benefit us? Now and later. Now in here, then and there later. Oh, glory to God. You see, the problem people have put, they have put their own thinking on this in that they say, even that they read this and it says, he, Jesus told the rich young ruler, go sell what you have, you'll lay up treasure in heaven. And they, they add a verse in there that's not there. They think Jesus said, and you will lay up treasure in heaven where thou canst not touch it till thou diest. <laughs> is that there? How, how, how is it there? It's not there. Well, how do you interpret Scripture and understand Scripture? In the light of other Scripture. A few verses down, he explained where the benefits of this account is. Because they said, well, Lord, we left some stuff. I mean, he didn't give up his, but we gave up ours. What about us? He said, listen, you didn't leave anything for my sake in the kingdom, but you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now in this time. Now. Now. In this time. And. In the world to come. Eternal life. Oh glory to God. Glory to God. We're blessed here. We're blessed there. We're blessed everywhere. First Timothy 6. Go back to here in closing. Now notice a phrase that keeps coming up here in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Do what? Lay hold. Lay hold. On eternal life. Now when do you do that? Where do you do that? Where do you fight the good fight of faith? Here and now. Well where do you lay hold? Here and now. See eternal life is a big thing. Yes. It doesn't just mean being born again. That's part of eternal life. And eternal life doesn't just mean living forever. If that's all it means, then the sinner's got it too. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. That's right. Do you see that? Now, it is not just eternal existence. It is a quality of life. The eternal, zoe, God kind of abundant life. Amen. And what is involved? Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it. <laughs> we got this. We're getting it. I am come that you might have what? What kind of life? Eternal life. And that you might have it more. When does that affect us? Right here and now and and in the life to come. What areas does that encompass? Well, it encompasses your spirit. It encompasses your soul. It encompasses your mind. It encompasses your physical body, your health. And it encompasses your financial and your material realm. Abundant life. But what do you do? You make deposits in that heavenly account. And then you must what? Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold. <laughs> lay hold on eternal life. Now keep reading. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich 
in this world to get rid of that filthy lucre. Because there's no way you can uh, serve God with all that money. It's not there. It's not. If you'll notice, see, he deals with two categories. Verse 9, they that will be rich. Verse 17, them that are rich. If, you're, if your whole goal and objective in life is getting rich, you've got some major adjustments to make. Because your major goal should be obeying God, doing His will. It's going to take money to do it, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is doing it, doing His will. But those that are rich in this world, no way you can misunderstand. He's talking about stuff. You got money, you got stuff. They, that they what? Now, I've mentioned some things to you here that you need to watch out for. I, I mentioned a poverty test to you, and I mentioned a prosperity test. Here's some of the issues right here. What is, a, what is the Lord warning you? If you do what we're talking about, what we've already talked about, God's already been blessing you, but He's going to bless you, I'm telling you, far beyond what you have thought. Amen. Far beyond. I'm, I mean, you've got a little vision, and that vision is nothing beside what God's got for you. Amen. Your little vision, mm-mm. it's okay for the rest of the afternoon maybe. But uh, God's got a vision for you. If you'll obey Him, and if you'll do what He says, He wants to add to you beyond, beyond places you never dreamed about being financially and materially. But there's some warnings. There's some warnings. There's a reason why God can't use everybody like this. There's a lot of folk, man, I mean, if they had, if they had a million dollars, they wouldn't be in church next Sunday. They'd be down in the Bahamas, backslid. <laughs> <laughs> there's a or somewhere there's a prosperity test just like there's a poverty test what did he say warn them charge them that they be not what high minded you still you I don't care how much money you got right don't you get to act acting snobby on us riding that new Mercedes or that new Lexus, live in that big house, wear all those nice things. You, you're the same old girl. You're the same old boy. Don't, don't try to pull nothing on us. We know you. We knew you when you didn't have a didn't have a pocketbook. Didn't have a bag. Didn't have anything to put in it. If you had it, you got to always remember where God brought you from. Always remember that it could change tomorrow if you quit serving God. It's only by His grace. It's only by His blessing. And remember why you're that way. So that you can establish His covenant. So that you can further His kingdom. And so that you can be a witness yourself of the goodness of God. But it all comes back to Him. All comes back to Him. Don't be high-minded. And don't trust in the uncertain riches. See, a lot of times when you're poor, man, you got no recourse. You got to trust God. There's nothing else you can do. But a lot of times when you got money and you got contacts, well, you can pick up the phone, you can call this one, you can write a check. That doesn't mean you do it. When something comes up, you don't just start writing checks and making phone calls. You start praying, just like you did when you didn't have anything. Looking to God, just like you did when you didn't have anything. Right? Trust not in those uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly 
all things to enjoy. <laughs> People say, well, you know, the Lord, he promised he'd meet our needs. He didn't say he'd give us our wa-. What, you hadn't read the Bible? <laughs> Silly thing. <laughs> he sure did. Talks about desires all through the Bible. Talks about just plain old enjoying stuff. Folks say, why you got that? I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> what purpose does that serve? I enjoy it, and He gives me richly all things to enjoy. <laughs> I just enjoy it. Verse eighteen: the more money you got, you got to know these things now. That you that you what? Do good with that money. That you be rich, not just in money, but rich in good works. Good works. Ready. I mean, at the drop of a hat, you carry your checkbook with you. Right? Got a big roll of cash in your pocket. You are ready. (laughs) I said you're ready. Big bills in the pocket. Credit cards with open amounts. Paid for. Not up to the limit. Ready. Ready to distribute. Ready at any moment. Whip out that thing. Write them a check. Take care of that. Pay that off. Give them this. Buy. Ready. Ready. Willing. Ready and willing to communicate. That doesn't mean talk now. See, Paul said, You communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. He's talking about a fellowship. And a reciprocal thing. You're, you're ready to do it. You're able to do it. You're willing to do it. Verse 19. Now when you're doing all these good works. And you're giving to all these people. What's happening? Well, you are laying up. <laughs> in store. For who? <laughs> themselves. And man it can make you feel good. When you know. Man for years now. For years. I've been putting in that account. It's all right to have some of these things, but where is the only safe place? And the only sure heaven's account. Heaven's banking system. I've been given to the poor. I've been given to the church. I've been given to missions. I've been given to brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been doing this. It's there. What kind of feeling? It should give you a feeling of security. Not in earthly, natural stuff, but because you know it's there. And if and when I need it, it's there. And I can make a demand on it. I can lay hold of some of it. I can, by faith, withdraw some of it. Lay it up in store for themselves. This is for you. A good foundation against the time to come. That they may what? Lay hold on eternal life. Now, when's he talking about? When you're talking about, Brother Paul, go back to the fourth chapter. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. It's all together. Chapter 4, verse 8. He's talking about godliness. He said, verse 8, godliness is profitable unto all things. Chapter 4, verse 8. Having promise when? Of the life that now is and of that which is to come. 
in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Settled. We've got an account. In heaven. Our account. For us. How you get money in that account? Give him. Give him. Now tithing is not giving. Tithing is not sowing. Tithing is returning the first fruits to God. God has earmarked the tithe. He said, that's mine. That's for my church. That's for my ministers. That's for my stuff. That's earmarked his. But if you're a tither, your sowing is blessed and your sowing is protected. Remember Malachi 3? He rebuked the devourer and he'll pour out the blessing. But when you give to uh, the poor, obviously he mentioned that a couple of times. When you give to people, you're rich in good works. See, what, what kind of area does that cover? That's all kind of giving. But when you're giving according to the leading of the Lord and you're giving in faith, then you're making investments into that heavenly account. Now, now, see, in faith is very, very important. If you think you're just throwing it away, well, you're not making an investment. That's right. That's right. But no, I deposited that. Yes. I deposited that in my account. And you keep making deposits. And you keep making deposits. And you keep making deposits. And God keeps good books. <laughs> and he said, you're gonna, it's going to come back to you uh, manifold, 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 multiplied. I know, uh, I told you this whenever we talked about rules of reaping. I said, uh, you know, I was on the airplane flying back from a place. And uh, the Lord dealt with me. He said, uh, Keith, do you know how much you gave above your tithe last year? We had had a certain percentage we were shooting for. And God blessed us and we reached that. Praise God, the next year we bumped it up considerably. And uh, I, I didn't know just to the penny, but yeah, I had a pretty good idea. You know, ballpark figure. Yeah, yeah, X amount. And uh, the Lord asked me, he said, what would a just a 30-fold or a 50-fold return on that be? Well, I didn't know. Had a calculator in my briefcase. I whipped it out, did the math. Man, the figure went halfway across the screen. You know, I mean, most of the way to the little screen. And I thought, whoa, glory. That's a big figure. Big figure. He said, are you really expecting that to come in? That's good. I had to say, no. I mean, if a third of that had to come in, I'd have been doing somersaults. I mean, and he said, well, what would you think, son? If a farmer planted 500 acres and I blessed his crop and rained on it, and protected his crop and gave him a bumper harvest and he went out there and he reaped, you know, 50 acres of it and left the rest of it in the field. I said, well, that wouldn't be good. He said, that's what you've done. And, and many others like you. You've got to reap it in. But see, you, do you know what's in your account? See, I didn't have an idea of what was in my account. I began to look at that, begin to realize, man, there's a lot in my account. And I began to kick myself because I think, well, man, I didn't get my crops in. And the Lord said, yes, but natural crops are perishable. But spiritual crops are not. Amen. Your crop's still in the field. <laughs> or, you could say, it's still in your account. Do you see that now? It's still there. Well, I, I begin to get a hold of those things. I think, well, glory to God. I, all I got to do is lay hold of it. 
How you get the harvest then out of the field? You got to go out there, lay hold of that corn, pull it off the stalk, right? Lay hold of that. It's your corn. Lay hold of it. Take it out. And I begin to get a hold of that. Well, later on, I got further revelation. You see, the Lord doesn't do this just like some type of stock that you might have. He doesn't send you a quarterly report or semi-annual report and 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 send you your uh, increase every you know quarter or every year. It doesn't work like that. That's the worldly system. It doesn't work just like that. And so here I'd rocked along a little while, and I'm look. I got getting a hold of these principles, and I thought, well, Lord, you know, hasn't nearly come in this particular year. What uh, what I sowed. And you taught me, I'm expecting, I'm expecting, so uh, what do I need to do? I mean, it, it's not, and the Lord began to teach me some things I'm talking to you. He said, well, son, now I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but I just knew inside what he's saying. He talks to you like you understand. He talks Hebrew and Greek and English and Swahili and amen. I understand Southern and Northern and whatever, whatever you are in the, and he said, uh, he said to me, son, he said, if I caused all of that to come to you money, he said, you'd lose X amount just in taxes by the end of the year. How many know God's smart? He said, you don't need all of that. Like He said, but later on, you'll need some things. It'll be here. You can make a demand on it. See, it doesn't just come just in increments, but it's there. And then you get up to something where you need, and you're believing God for something. Huh? Have y'all given? Have you been sowing? Has the church given and been sowing? Then the church has an account. You got your personal account, but the church has an account. And the church under the leadership, needs to make a withdrawal. We need to make a withdrawal. And what the church, the money that the church can have for this building project or whatever is not limited to the people in the church. Now, it's, a lot of it's going to come through you and some things are going to come through you, but God can deal with somebody in town that's never even been in this church to write you a check and send it in here. Can that happen? That kind of thing has happened right and left. It has happened. It can happen. It will happen if you believe God. There are times when you make deposits. You keep making deposits. You may not see a lot of it, but but it's there. It's there. And then that big thing comes up and you need it. All right, let's go, you know, get us a withdrawal slip. Right? Let's write a check on that. It's there. We know it's there. And it's safe, and it's not just what we put in, but it's multiplied, it's increased. Manifold, and we can make a demand on it. We can lay hold of it toward the end of abundant life, and we can withdraw it from our heavenly account. And God is willing and able to get it to us in timely fashion and appropriate channels, and we'll have all and abound to every good work. Can you say amen? Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.